Welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle, your co-host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. Delighted to have you. Welcome back to the squirrels who have been here before, to our new squirrels. Hi, how's it going? The 12th House Podcast is a little corner of the internet where we bring together creativity, inspiration, intuition, spiritual shit, the metaphysical, the practical, tactical stuff that comes to running a business. And we bring it to you so that you can do your sacred work, so you can self-actualize, so you can be the biggest you you could possibly be. It's really fun. You're going to like it, I think. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Wallace. How's it going? Good. Happy Friday. Happy June. Whoa, crazy. (laughs) We just time traveled. (laughs) (laughs) We collapsed a timeline. (laughs) I have been thinking a lot about burnout. We've talked about it. Yeah, we're talking about it on the pod this month. Yep, we are going there. And our doors are opening to North Node soon, which is like just a wellspring of information and resources to get unstuck. But I've been thinking about burnout because I've been hearing from a lot of people that they're just feeling like their feet are in cement when it comes to their creative projects, that they can't get a move on them. They can't seem to like, I don't know, get some traction. And I think... There was a very popular manifestation expert a few years ago who loved to say, you need to get unblocked. You got to get unblocked. You got to do this work to get unblocked. I just got chills (laughs) because (laughs) I was affected by this messaging. Raise your hand if you also were, (laughs) if you were victimized by uh, unblocked language. And I think that part of the reason that was so attractive to so many people is because when it, when it feels like nothing's going right in your life, you do feel like there's a wall in front of you. Like you are blocked from like what you're supposed to be here to do. And I would argue that like the creative process is just an experience of being quote unquote blocked all the time and like trying to work through it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, it's so interesting how words will take footholds and then just proliferate. Like I feel like blocked you would hear often with writer's block versus mm-hmm. being applied to just feeling frustrated or Mm -hmm. maybe even before blocked, it was like, I just feel stuck. I'm in a rut. Yes. You know? Totally. I know I can definitely relate to being like, nothing's working in my life. I feel like everything is quote unquote blocked. And also those were some of the most fruitful times of my life where I like had to dig in and do the work and change and evolve. And like so much happened there. It was so juicy. And I know that's probably not what you want to hear if you're feeling blocked because <laughs> like, you're, like, you're kind of emotionally tired already you're like i have to do more work yes yeah it's like when people are like you'll get over it this heartbreak by just like time and mm. you're like no no what is the secret potion there's got to be another way <laughs> yeah you're like but i thought time was an illusion right? <laughs> it's so confusing mixed messaging <laughs> it's true but I, I feel heartened always when we go back to archetypes or when I study archetypes, especially when I'm feeling adrift or lost or like I don't know what mm. the next step is. Going back and studying an archetypal journey of like where I want to end up, looking at my role models, looking at the archetypes that I, like just make me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. And also like looking at archetypal experiences and how different people, for example, creators, artists, visionaries, they all experience feeling quote unquote blocked. They also all experience for the most part, what we might call downloads or a direct line to intuition or Mm -hmm. channeling even like from the psychic and mystical and magical people to people like Steve Jobs. 
our friend Stephen. And today we wanted to talk about some of the ways that our favorite artists get unstuck or sort of unblock themselves from the creative blocks that are completely normal for us to experience, but we often make meaning of. All of these people experience like at different points, crippling fear that they have to wrestle with and overcome. And it doesn't mean that it's a sign or a reason to give up. Yeah. It's part of the process. Totally. And I think when your identity is, I've been thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking a lot about identity. It sounds so lame, but it really, I've been thinking about it a lot. When your identity is wrapped up in being a creative or an ideas person and you don't have ideas, that is oh, you a crisis, right? You're like, who am I? <laughs> if I'm not the, the person with the like, with the inspiration. If I am not the person who's wanting to do something new, what am I here to do? Am I ever going to get my mojo back or my energy back? And the answer is, yeah, totally. No, don't freak out. It's all good. As we're going to say later, it ain't that, it ain't that deep. But like, yeah, we got it. I had that experience not too long ago at a dinner party where one of my partner's really? friends who I hadn't seen in a while, yeah, was like, so Wallace, like, what have you been thinking about recently? And I was feeling really tired. And I was like, I don't know, AI, like everyone else. <laughs> like, I didn't have a good answer. I was like, I felt so affronted by it. Yeah. But the reason I the reason I was affronted, honestly, was because I have been feeling a little like ideas blocked recently. Yeah. And one of the reasons and what I've kind of come back to over the past couple of days of feeling like, okay, I've made it over that a bit was like, I was also really tired. <laughs> and sometimes when you're really tired, you don't have good ideas and you can't force it. And it was just this funny thing where I was like, so embarrassed later or not embarrassed, but I was down on myself. I was like, you know, that's a question I would normally love to get into and be like, Ooh, I've been thinking about all these things. Let's get into it with this mm-hmm. person who asked the question. And I was like, I don't know. Why are you asking me that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel you so deeply. And I'm like, shame on yeah. that person for kind of no offense, but like kind of a lazy question. I I read yeah. a really good article recently about good conversations contain doorknobs. And it's not like they have multiple Ooh, doorknobs. I love this segue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, a good conversation doesn't just have like one door after the next that we walk through together. It brings up multiple doors and doorknobs and you still have free will. And you can like decide to turn that doorknob and like sneak in through the crack or just peek in, or you can actually walk through the door together, but you have tons of options. It's not just like this one linear conversation that's going to go this way. And it's the responsibility of both of all people who are involved in the conversation to offer doorknobs. And I feel like they kind of just put the onus back on you to come up with like, what are you, so what are you thinking about? Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of the question, like, so what have you been up to lately? It's like, I don't know. Fuck. So many things. Like, what am I supposed to tell you? <laughs> yeah. Like, what part? The secret part? Like, what I'm talking about in therapy? Yeah. Or like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, what have I been cooking? I was, have, I was just I, thinking, what have I been cooking? Yeah. Like, what am yeah. I, how's my exercise routine? Like, what are you, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... I appreciate the reframe of it's that person's fault because <laughs> I did feel very affronted. I was like, what do you mean? What if I've been thinking about so many things constantly? Like, What, what am I not thinking about is the real question. Yeah. <laughs> you tell me. I brought- yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, wait. How would you respond to that question with a doorknob question? Oh, that's okay. Okay, this is good. 
because I'm going to start having dinner parties again, like proper dinner parties, sit down yeah. dinner parties. And I need to make sure there's door. I'm like, I'm well-versed on the doorknob thing. I also am like, oh, I should send out this article <laughs> as homework before to anyone who's coming to the dinner party and be like, read this. Yeah. We're going to have a doorknob Think conversation. Yeah. The doorknob yeah. dinner party, if you will. Okay. If someone was like, so what are you thinking about lately? How would you respond with? I'd probably be like, okay, listen, actually, this question is absolutely triggering me because I feel like I'm really actually burnt out and exhausted. But Mm. I don't know if you feel that way. Maybe it's astrology or maybe, I don't know, like it's just the general sense of malaise and ennui that we've all experienced in this unprecedented times for the last three years. Or maybe, I don't know, I'm all thought out for now. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever have like a, a, a nothing brain? When was the time that you experienced Oh, I like that? this. I, I feel like I gave a lot. Gave I gave three a lot of stuff. Four yeah. <laughs> you you gave a few tiny little mini doors in sort the of main like door. A, a hobbit door. <laughs> Maybe like a mouse, a door for yes. a mouse. Yep. Exactly. I feel like just being honest a lot of the time is like what can be helpful. It's refreshing because we're just so conditioned to be like, I'm great. Things are great. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Let's talk about getting unblocked creatively because we have a lot of inspo. I think one of the cliche but very helpful sayings like around questions or around conversations, even with yourself, is like, are you asking the right questions? Yeah. So sometimes when you're trying to get unblocked or unstuck or through your rut, whatever you want to call it, it's changing your point of view, reframing and asking different questions. I love that. I think that asking different questions or allowing yourself to do something differently, divergent strategies, is one of the most helpful things. And it seems to be something that most artists do or many artists do. For example, Laurie Anderson, Mm. she's a musician, everyone, is someone who says, I have creative blocks all the time. And one of the ways that she overcomes them is she just does her very worst work. (laughs) So she yes, instead of like asking, write a <laughs> shitty first draft. Exactly. Many. Yes. And so instead of asking, what's the best thing I can make? What's the truest expression of my artistry? What is the most deliberate way I can deliver this information? She's like, what's the worst thing I can make? It's a different question. And it's just to like get oh, it wow. out of your system. You know, it's kind of like cleaning out the pumps or pipes, cleaning out the pipes. <laughs> or the pumps. You never know. It's true. Could be a water pump that needs clean. <laughs> it could be. I like that because you could also. I think sometimes perfectionism gets the best of all of us Mm -hmm. and you can just be like, how can I make this messy? What's the quote unquote ugliest version of this thing I can do? Yeah, because perfectionism isn't fun. Like nothing about being perfect is fun. You know what's fun about being perfect? Being done. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like it's just relief, like being done with the thing. And that's not what creativity is about. Creativity is about being not doing right. So it's not about getting to the finish line and like having the fin- final product. It's the experience of it. And um, I think that if you can embrace that, like Anne Lamont is a really good example. She's an author and she writes about writing. And she always says, write shitty first drafts. Austin Kleon is like a modern artist who has a great book, I think called Wreck This Book or Think Like an Artist. And um, he says, when nothing's fun anymore, try to make the worst thing that you can. And man, isn't that the truth? Like so much of the creative experience is like not fun. And we force ourselves through it um, because, and we like try to make it productive, right? And what if it didn't have to be? Not only fun, but going back to the imperfections thing, I always think about how many stories 
you hear about the making of a film mm-hmm. where something went wrong because I used to work in commercial production and the saying was like, not if things will go wrong, what will you do? It's when. So you're constantly problem solving and putting out fires. And it makes me think about how many films you read. Oh, the reason that that scene happened was because it was the only thing we could do. It was the only place we could shoot. It was a fluke thing. It was a one take. And it happened to be like now the Oscar winning moment of the film. Yes. Have you seen the movie, the birdcage with Robin Williams? Yes. Okay. Okay. Wait, we just rewatched this. Okay. This is another psychic experience. I'm telling you literally like a few weeks ago. No, really? Fussy. 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 Okay. That scene, that scene was improvised first and foremost. Like he just came up with that off the cuff. Which is incredible. Because he's Robin Williams. Yeah, R.I.P. Remember the scene where he goes into the kitchen and he is like freaking out and then he falls over as he's walking out? So he wasn't supposed to. He slipped on something. But it's so perfect. It's so So funny. (laughs) And um, it was a mistake. It makes the scene. It makes the scene. It makes the scene so memorable. That's movie magic, baby. Okay, on that note, Rick Rubin has been, you know, in the the zeitgeist recently because what... Whatever, debatable guy. Some people don't like him. Some people feel like he's a little bit of a, not a hack. That wouldn't be the right word. But feel different things about him. He is an extreme character. Like he's a bit of a charlatan, not a charlatan, but like sort of a same kind of vibe, you know, like a showman where you're like, what's the there there? Yeah. But okay, I'm not a Rick Rubin apologist or stan, but I think sometimes producers can be in that situation because he's not really the artist, but he's very much part of the art making. And so sometimes, you know, like it's, it's complicated. This also happens in film with many different. I was going to say also editing in books. Why isn't the editor's name on the front of the book? Because let me tell you, the good stuff didn't come from the writer. The good stuff comes from the editor. It does. It just does. I had this conversation at a family dinner the other day. One of Josh's cousins is an editor at The Atlantic, and his aunt was like, "Don't you you should write more. Why aren't you writing your own stuff? He's writing every single thing. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I'm writing all the time. Arguably, I'm more important. (laughs) And, you know, there was a bit of like an old school thought around it where people were like, huh. And I like ran to his defense. I was like, yeah, (laughs) editors are like the most important. Anyways, it's all it's all a band. Everyone is important. But I bring him up because he's released a book on creativity recently. It's a super easy read, easy listen. And, you know, not a lot of the stuff if you're into this kind of information is necessarily new. I think a lot of it is really similar to Stephen Pressfield's War on Art. Same with Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. But it is a newer book released. And one of the things that I really like that he talks about is he talks a lot about imperfections getting in the way and that the imperfections, this is a quote, you're tempted to fix, prove to be what make the work great. And sometimes not. We rarely know what makes a piece great. No one can know. The most possible reasons are theories at best. Why is beyond our comprehension. And they goes on to talk more about insecurities and the fear that comes up when you're thinking about putting work out there and being somebody who shares their work. And this is kind of all about fear and imperfections. He says, ultimately, your desire to create must be greater than your fear of it. Even some of the greatest artists, that fear never goes away. 
And I feel like that's a really like important point when thinking about like what is holding you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea like up up imposter syndrome and that you'll eventually grow out of whatever the anxiety of showing up or um, that it'll get easier like might get a little easier but not really <laughs> you know like it might be yeah. like easier to be delusional but it's not easier to like i don't know have people tell you like horrible things about yourself or to get criticism at least for me it isn't it's not easier to do that but it is um it's a, a muscle to like practice yeah you know a hundred percent stephen pressfield in the war on art has a really good theory on this or quote on it, he says, the amateur believes that he must first overcome his fear, then he can get to work. The professional knows that fear can never be overcome. He knows there is no such thing as a fearless, fearless warrior or a dread-free artist. I love that. And it's sort of like antithetical to my next example, which is when you're feeling blocked, like remember that it ain't that deep. Um, and Carol yes, King is yes. a really good example. She's a famous musician and songwriter. And she has an interview in this book, Songwriters on Songwriting. And she says, I found that the key to not being blocked is to not worry about it ever. If you're sitting down and you feel that you want to write and nothing is coming, you get up and you just do something else. Then you come back again and you try it again, mm. but you do it in a relaxed man- manner. Trust that it will be there. If it ever was once and you've ever done it once, it will be back. It always comes back. And the only thing that is a problem is when you get in your own way worrying about it. And now that I'm saying that out loud, I'm like, okay, she still might have the fear, right? Of like making the thing or showing the thing, showing up for the thing, but she's not fearful of the talent, like of it disappearing or like the connection disappearing. She's not like going into a scarcity mind about it. She has more of like a relaxed, playful attitude towards engaging with work and that's so so hard like to be like i'm breezy you know (laughs) when you're like (laughs) so fucking breezy (laughs) like so casual i'm just so breezy and i like so trust everything whatever like that's so hard and also what is your other choice is your your other choice is to be anxious about it and to like uh, flagellate over it and to kvetch over it so I don't know. Yeah. Which one do you want to do? You, which one do you want to try today? Maybe that will work. Like, here's the thing. Like, any of these could potentially work. You should try them out. And if one of them doesn't work, like if the kvetching doesn't work, then like maybe you should just try chilling out about it. This is a perfect segue to one of Rick Rubin's other pieces of advice in his book is using distraction as a tool. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that's what she does. Yeah, totally. She's like, okay, I'm going to walk away, do something else, come back. And I wrote this down because I was like, wait, I think that works. Sometimes autopilot is the best pilot mm-hmm. because then it's keeping one, like the anxious part of your mind busy so it can be free to open up. That's why you hear about so many people being like, ideas in the shower, best ideas on my walks, Mm -hmm. going swimming, using a mantra to distract yourself, washing the dishes. Sometimes you do need to just break it up. I stop. I keep my phone (laughs) by me. And whenever I go to like a workout class, because I go to the same Pilates class at the same time, like every week, pretty much. I always have ideas. Like I always get really, really good ideas when I'm just doing my stupid lunges or whatever. And I have to stop and like write them down in my inbox and then hop back up. But I've learned that I can't, I can't be like, oh, I'll, I'll definitely come up with that later. Like I won't, it's gone. No, you won't. It lands on me in that moment of just boredom. (laughs) And then, and then it's, it's out of my head. So I need to like put it somewhere, you know? It's so true. 
I think last thing is to love yourself through it. You know, example is this poet, Louise Bogan, and she wrote this wonderful book, Poems and New Poems in 1941. And then she didn't write another poem for seven years. And she was talking to one poem. Yeah, she didn't write a single goddamn poem for seven years. Actually, you hear about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like the spirit. Where people are just like, doesn't strike you, you know, you're just not in the mood yeah. <laughs> or you're burnt out or whatever. And yeah. um, her biographer said, you have to at least be pleased with your life or on good terms with yourself or else the blocks will get you. I do want this book to be to get written. Let me help if I can. But you have to be on good terms with yourself. Meaning like even if it doesn't get written, if it doesn't get created, like it's okay. You have to enjoy the life that you created anyways mm-hmm. and know that like kind of like our 80-20 rule, right? That 20% of the time that you do get those like beautiful glimpses of pleasure, you get to experience them as the gifts that they are. Like when you get those intuitive downloads or creative, just that creative fire, be like, hell yes. I know this isn't always the norm. This is 20% of the time. And yeah. like, let me just really luxuriate in it. And it's kind of like re- it's mm. um, reevaluating like your expectations. Would I still be happy with my life if I never created anything else? Like, how can you create, how can you get as close to that as possible? Takes the pressure off the creation experience, you know? And which Elizabeth Gilbert talks a lot and uh, what's his name? David Lynch talks about this a lot to the director, nurturing the muse, mm-hmm. which we've all heard before, but like kind of honoring those ideas as sacred and to your point, having gratitude, whether whatever you decide to do with them or what, whenever they come and taking, taking the pressure off of the timing too. Yep. Which is easier said than done. But Oof, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the point, right? The last thing I want to emphasize, which I feel like kind of incorporates all these things, is play. And you mentioned earlier just about having fun and something that I think we hold near and dear to all of the work we do and everything we make together at Holisticism as a team is, are we having fun? How can this be more fun? How can we make sure other people are having fun and how can we play? Because there's so much that happens in play that you can't account for that sometimes is just therapeutic. And then sometimes it's really genius. And then sometimes it's nothing else other than play. Yep. As we like to say, it ain't that deep. It ain't that deep. (laughs) Neither is this episode. So we are ending (laughs) here. That's it. Uh, Thanks for listening. If you liked this or got something out of it, you could rate us five stars. That would be amazing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, You can hit reply on Spotify and tell us what you thought of this episode. We want to know. What do you want more of? We would love to hear from you. And you could also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple and support our energetic creations here because all we do, we do for you. And we love to make this for you. So please rate, review, and or subscribe. Let us know what you think. And we will see you next week. See you on Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Bye. The Twelfth House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay, and our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.